Yo, yo, yo. Seeds Before Flowers, Episode 5. This is Ron. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, today is Wednesday, October 14th. And I uh, just got off work a moment ago and wanted to go ahead and lay this down. Uh, today I want to talk about finance. <laughs> uh, hopefully, this could be a little more, bit more upbeat a little more uh, paced than the previous episodes, but uh, we just want to talk about some ideas as far as taking money and making money with it. Uh, I really don't have uh, any ideas um, for people who are looking to make money without any investment. You know, of course there's opportunities for that. uh, But in my experience, honestly, baby, it takes money to make money. And uh, Big Susie Orman, shout out to Suze. Uh, she says the key to making money is to stay invested. Now, if you want to look at that in a literal sense, you know, of course, investing your cash, keeping your cash around places that are going to make you money. Of course, that'll, you know, that'll bring some sort of revenue back. Um, but I think if we consider the idea of legacy, something that I talk about every episode, um, the key to making money is to stay invested. That could be staying invested in your plan. Uh, remember, we talked about proper preparation. So I feel that uh, in anything that you do, as long as you stay invested in that, you can make money or make progress uh, off that. Uh, while researching uh, this topic, um I found an article that said average millionaires uh, have at least seven streams of income. Now, it would be nearly impossible to try to get through all of the possible income sources. Um, But I was at least able to narrow it down to seven. And we'll talk about a couple. So I'll talk about the seven income sources and then we'll kind of discuss further in depth, you know, what you can do within those categories uh, if anything stands out. So, of course, uh, first you have your earned income. Uh, This is the money that you earn from your nine to five working a job. There's profit income. Uh, This is income from buying and selling. Interest income. Uh, This is income from lending money. Dividend income. This is income from owning stocks that are netting you a revenue. You know, I think it's important to kind of mention that because, you know, if your stocks are not doing well, then uh, there's no income, right? That's a loss. Uh, There's rental income. This is income from renting a house. Capital gains assets increasing in value and lastly royalty income Uh, this is income from others using your idea now as far as the no money investment type thing i think royalty income is probably going to be one of the only options uh, that i see here um that where it takes no money if you can really generate a good idea you could sell that idea but you know It's about monetizing uh, anything that you can. So uh, almost every day, maybe uh, every couple days, I get an email. uh, I invest using Robinhood. 
Um, maybe I'll put the link in the description or something like that. I mean, I could get a stock, you could get a stock, but uh, we're not here for financial gain. We're just trying to share knowledge, right? So I get these emails. Um, it's called Robin Hood Snacks. It's just like uh, little tidbits about uh, the stock market, what's improving, what's not improving. Um, and it's funny. Some people uh, have called me Robin before, so I'm actually going to steal their thing and make it my thing. So this is Robin's Hood Snacks. So um, one of the stocks that I was invested in uh, was Vivint Solar. Um, of course, solar energy is uh, on the increase, especially residential. And Vivint Solar was, uh, you could say, a large uh, player, especially in the United States. Um, just to give a brief background, um, I believe I started buying uh, Vivint Solar stock when it was below 10 bucks for sure. Um, they did hit a high of $45, um, which was uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. But they actually just merged uh, with another company called Sunrun. Now, Vivint was a growing stock. You know, I, I really wish I would have been more in tuned as far as on that stock to see that there was a merger coming. I believe that the merger is what kind of inflated the price up until the date. Um, and I probably should have sold at that time. But uh they merged and the stock took a dive, big dive. Um, anybody who's invested in Vivint, uh, it's known as VSLR on the market. Um, if you haven't touched your new Sunrun stock, you're, you're losing money just straight up. So um, this article um, on Investor Place, uh, they discuss this merger um let's see i'll read to you what they say they say uh given vivin's outstanding financials you might suspect that the company would be a prime acquisition target you'd be right about that as solar mega company sunrun has agreed to acquire vivin solar in an all stock transaction with this merger, Vivint will, by association with Sunrun, become a big fish in a small but growing pond. Residential solar has reached only 3% penetration in the United States today, and yet surveys show nearly 9 out of 10 people in the United States favor expanding the use of solar power. So this is kind of what piqued my interest. You know, a renewable energy, of course, uh, that's something that's... Uh, important to me, um, politically, personally, socially, uh, I think kind of pursuing these um, alternative forms of energy, you know, for the future generations, it's ex extremely important. So I definitely wanted to have um, that reflected in my uh, portfolio. So that's what drew me to Vivint. Um, and like I mentioned, this merger with Sunrun, uh, has gone terrible. Uh, worst part about it is, I believe the stock exchange that they did, or the the way that they worked the deal, uh, they gave you one uh, share of Sunrun for every two shares of uh, Vivint Solar that you owned. Um, 
you know, I guess they assumed that the price would increase or maybe it would grow. But I think a lot of people panicked. Um, a lot of people who weren't necessarily paying attention, like myself, um, or wasn't paying close attention, uh, they panicked and they sold immediately. You know, I tried to give it a couple days um, to bounce back, but at a at a certain point, I really just had to give up on that one. Um, so I did end up selling the Sunrun stock, um, and I used that to actually buy stock in Disney. Uh, that's another good one. Um, you know, they've been pretty steady. I believe in uh, in your portfolio, you should have uh, staple investments. You know, of course, Disney is. Uh, is huge so and it's uh fairly affordable uh let me see if i can get a number for you um as of close of market today it was about 126 dollars and 50 cents per share for disney so i would say that that's a moderate level of investment um the good thing about robin hood uh, maybe other uh, trading apps or uh, trading platforms have this option as well. Um, well, I'm, I'm certain that they do, you know, to be able to buy fractional shares. So, uh, but the way that Robinhood makes it kind of easy to do so, I really enjoy that as far as, you know, um, being able to buy fractions. Um, you can buy, you know, three and a half, 3.75, 3.46, uh, whichever way you need to go ahead and uh, finance that uh they make it easy on you. Um, so anybody else who's been watching the stock market recently, uh, you'd be aware of the Apple uh, share split. So as a growing company, what Apple did is basically split their shares to make it more available uh, to people at different income levels. Um, certain stocks like Tesla, um, I believe they did a split as well, but uh, some of the bigger companies, Facebook, things like that, um, Alibaba, you know, where the shares are several hundred dollars a piece, um, that really puts entry level investors um, in a tough place. You know, how can you justify $450 for one share and you have, you know, really no idea what you're doing, you know? So taking that into consideration, Apple decided to split their shares. Owners who already had stocks in Apple, I believe it was like a four to one. So if you had one, you got four, or it could have been, if you had one, you got two. I can't remember exactly, um, but it did work out for the investors. Now, the price now at the close of business today was $120.98. I have taken a small loss, you know, just be transparent. I think uh, when they did this split, it was at an all-time high of maybe 130 132 and that's when uh, I decided to jump on it, and it's dropped down now to 120 It's been a little bit lower, uh, but this is one of those stocks that I definitely have faith in, um, and, you know, I'll kind of let it be. So uh, I did look it up, and I do want to clarify, the stock split for Apple was 4 to 1. So uh, for each one that you owned, you got four. So it actually was very um, advantageous for people who uh, believe in the brand, you know. 
Uh, I don't want to say that I'm an Apple fanboy, but I definitely have Apple products. I do believe in their company. I love what they do with the branding. Um, and it's always high quality. I feel like there's always going to be a market for them. I do feel that they're oversaturating the cell phone market, but you know, I guess we're kind of getting used to this on a year to year basis. They just released, um, the, I don't want to call it a trailer, but I mean, you know, the details on the iPhone 12, you know, they're going back, uh, to the shape of the iPhone five, but with, you know, more power, uh, less weight all of the typical stuff that they do every year uh the fastest iphone ever since the last one and the last one you know so but as far as uh buying stock in them i definitely kind of believe in them and will give them a time to settle and i'm sure that it'll probably uh it'll go up um in no time um for really entry level um, investors, you know, people who are uh, maybe looking at stocks under a hundred dollars a share, or uh, their max price that they're willing to spend in total is a hundred dollars. Um, I did recently invest in Infosys. That's I N F O S Y S, and their market um, identifier is I N F Y. Um, Right now, as of close of business, uh, their stock prices are $16.31 a piece. Um, it's grown about 4% today. Let's see if I can get a weak analysis on this one. Okay, uh, so it's grown 10% in the past week, 24% um, in the past month. And, you know, with a number so low as 16.36 per share, um, when you hear 24% growth, it's not a lot. You know, that's $3. We're talking about smaller numbers here. Um, but the idea is still the same. Growth is growth. You know, if you spend... Um, $16 on uh, something today and it's worth $19 um, within four weeks or five weeks, you know, gain is gain, right? That's money that you didn't actually have to clock in somewhere and work for. Um, that's why we're talking about income streams here, uh, the importance of that. So uh, not to necessarily nickel and dime everything, but I mean, I think it it's important to have affordable uh, stocks like that as well. Uh, not everything has to be $120, $130, $150, $500. Of course, you know, that's uh, what you want to work your way to. But uh, I guess everyone can kind of set their own goals with that. You know, my goal eventually is to be able to trade about maybe four or $500 a day. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, I've definitely in my research seen uh, people will trade and uh, they'll say, OK, either I'm going to trade until noon or until I can net uh, five thousand dollars. But, you know, these are guys who have like six figures in the market. Um, but our conversation is more so for working professionals who are uh, looking to make a little bit of money on the side, kind of invest in their future um, and spread your money around. So. Uh, that's Robin's Hood Snacks. Um, 
next, you know, we kind of want to talk about starting a business. Um, I know a lot of people are, uh, especially over the COVID and the quarantine, they're talking about starting their own businesses, kind of taking their own success into their hands, you know, and I'm all for that as a small business owner myself. Um, I always try to find ways of monetizing, I guess you could say my free time or the time that I'm not clocked into work or, you know, who knows if I can get a stream of income to kind of pay me at the same time. Um, that would be amazing. So, uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about involve, let's see, it doesn't have to be that you're selling a product, right? Um, when you start a business, a lot of people think, you know, well, what am I going to sell? You know, what, what, what am I going to produce? What can I manufacture? And I always encourage people to kind of think larger than that, to think outside of that. Um, if you're not sure, think about monetizing your talent or your experience. Tons of people uh, do this this way. Um, examples of this include writing a book. You know, I, I talked about writing a book probably on the first episode, uh, gave the resource as far as um, a book template that people could use to try to write uh, their first book. And um, I, I don't feel like you have to be a celebrity to, to write a book. You know, if the content is good, you could write a book about anything. Have you uh, tried to open other businesses? and they failed. You could talk about your experience failing, you know? And ironically, that could lead to some success. Writing a book actually has many streams of income just from that one item. I wanna share a couple of these with you guys. Um, of course, selling the phys the physical book, uh, that's a stream of income. You can create a curriculum, a course. Say you're writing a book about, you know, failing business. You can create a course about uh, business awareness or business loss awareness. You can do consultations. You can, people can pay you to discuss their ideas and you can actually share your experiences and where you might've gone wrong and that could actually help them. You can do paid webinars. Of course, with the book, you can create merchandise and apparel. Um, and this this thing that I'm looking at also says a screenplay or a movie, but I mean, that that's a possibility, but you know, more often than not, if we're writing a book, we're trying to find legit or realistic streams of income. There's at least five ways to get paid off of writing a book, and it doesn't take that long, allegedly. Um, but let me tell it, it'll take me uh, as long as it possibly can. So um, I definitely believe that writing a book can uh, bring you several streams of income um, and you don't have to necessarily be an expert on a certain thing if you're talking about your experiences. Uh, 
if you're writing a book that has kind of anecdotal information, uh, you are an expert. You lived through that, you know? Uh, so don't think that you have to be a learned scholar to write a book. Um, you can monetize your experience or your talent um, and people will people will enjoy it. Marketing, that's a whole different thing. Uh, but that's for another conversation. Another uh, business that I see a lot of people get into, um, especially as of late, and uh, they've had great success. Uh, well, I mean, it's been around for years, right? Uh, drop shipping. Um, for anybody who's unfamiliar, I'll just kind of go over it very uh, briefly. Drop shipping. Um, let's take an example. The headphones that I'm wearing, right? Uh, if you buy these headphones on Amazon uh, and you look under the manufacturer name or the store name, it, it'll be somebody that you have no clue who it is, right? Um, but these are products from China uh, that you can purchase, ship them to Amazon's warehouse for, you know, holding and when people purchase it on Amazon. Amazon, you pay Amazon a fee, they pick your item, send it out to the person. Now that's specifically Amazon selling, drop shipping. A more uh, precise example would be if you're scrolling through Instagram and say, for instance, you follow a lot of fitness. So the Instagram algorithm uh, will actually show you ads based on your previously viewed history or who you follow. Um, so, you know, you follow a ton of fitness Instagram, um, you see an ad now for, um, a waist trainer or exercise bands. You click the link, you go to exercisebands.com, you order it. Chances are, is that it's coming directly from China to your house. And the person who created that website usually powered by Shopify, they're getting paid. You know, of course they're paying fees um, or whatnot, but for the most part, that's their business. They take an item that's popular, um, they make a website, they market it on Instagram, they drive traffic uh, to purchase this item, and there it is. Like I mentioned, Shopify is a great platform for accepting payment, um, creating the storefront, so to say. Um, and then many people will use uh, Alibaba or AliExpress um, to fulfill orders. Um, now, of course, with Alibaba, one of the best things about it, um, it is a complicated process on how to order from Alibaba to do um to market your own products. But I mean, if we'll go ahead and explain that on one of these episodes um, and you'll kind of see that it's actually quite simple and uh, it seems to be a good way of making money. Um, but you can have the items sent to your home. You can pack them uh, yourself and you can kind of buy these items in bulk. Uh, like I mentioned, headphones, you know, you can buy a lot of uh, maybe 50 headphones um, for 
$400 and then you can set the price to uh, whatever you see as fit. And, you know, if you use the Shopify, then you can kind of uh, sell at your own price. You can market the item as you would like. Um, with Amazon, it's a little bit different because, of course, you have uh, competition. So you don't want to undercut uh, the competition too much because then it'll be a race to the lowest price, which is the lowest uh, profit margin. Um, but I can definitely discuss more about drop shipping and the whole process that you have to go through um, to go through that. But, you know, we can talk about the cost of that and then uh, what you can expect as far as getting money back. Um, another uh, business example of monetizing your talent or your experience, um, and I know this might be interesting, but in, especially in the age of uh, Instagram and social media, a lot of people are uh, becoming certified personal trainers. You know, that is definitely something that you can kind of do on the side, um, especially if one thing that I've learned is that if you're good at marketing, especially social media marketing, um, you can get paid for almost doing anything. You know, it's it's all about how you present uh, what it is that you're selling. But you can certainly become a personal trainer, um, build clientele and kind of maintain that um, and just go from there. Um, one other thing uh, that I'm actually interested in um, that I do uh, is investing in collectible items. So um, the items that I collect uh, would be shoes. So uh, people could say I'm a sneakerhead, but, you know, at the same time, uh, they some of them will increase in value. So uh, this would be a profit income. Um, but also capital gains. You know, I purchase a pair of uh, Nike SB Dunk Dorothy's uh, for $80 and now they're worth $540. Um, certainly profit income once I sell it, uh, but these are capital gains until I sell it. So, um, like I said, it does take money to make money um, and... It is a slippery slope for anyone who likes tennis shoes. Um, buying for the sake of investing and buying for the sake of uh, personal use. Oh, man. Um, hard, hard to find the line. So uh, there are different platforms and different sites uh, that you can buy and sell and monitor uh, these shoes. My favorite, well... I would say my top two favorites are StockX and Kixify. Um, StockX is really good for monetize or following the monetary value of the shoes uh, because they kind of treat, you know, like the name suggests StockX, the shoes are uh, stocks in a sense. So it gives you financial readouts of what it costs um, for your size right now, what people are asking for, what people are paying, and that gives you kind of a, a, a decent view of what your shoe might be worth on the market. Um, I, I say that half, uh, I don't want to say half-heartedly, but I do think that sometimes StockX does inflate the prices a little bit uh, to make people want to use the site because you know, 
you feel better if you feel like your shoes are worth $600, you know, when really they might be worth 400. So I think that they kind of bump um the numbers up just to kind of keep people coming back. Um I know that's kind of weird, but uh I still I still like them though. And they're good for monitor or monitoring your entire collection. So you can put your entire collection and it'll kind of give you a market value. Um it even gives you graphs of um which kind if you have multiple uh types of maybe a Nike Dunk or you have different Jordans, it'll show you which group of shoes um has the highest value. So for instance, in my collection, uh, I have a lot of Nike Dunks, um, but it's one of the smallest collections I have in the whole collection. I have a lot of Jordans and other things, but the value of that small group of Dunks is much higher than almost anything in the collection. So uh, the way that they put the information together makes it really interesting and uh, easy to use. Uh, Kixify, I really enjoy them uh, just as a marketplace, to be honest. Um, they don't really uh, give you any additional information. Um, but as far as just doing the transaction, they make it easy. You post your shoe, post pictures, somebody buys it. As simple as that. You set the price, you set the shipping price uh, for flat rate, um, and you kind of go about your business. Uh, people still do use eBay. Um, I really don't have an issue with eBay. Um, I think over the years as eBay, maybe when eBay started to um, get that reputation of uh, not legit, they stepped their game up in a lot of ways as far as uh, customer guarantees. Um, so I do enjoy eBay a lot, but that is probably uh, just... It's just a marketplace, you know, it's not even a shoe specific marketplace. So, um, it's just eBay. So, um, we've talked about all these things, right? Uh, and I think it's only fair to kind of address the elephant in the room, a business loss. You know, I talked about, um, my stock loss with, uh, VSLR and the Sunrun, um, stock and, um, you know, I, I think that that's expected of any kind of business venture that you take. You know, you are going to take a loss with the shoes. Uh, you can take a loss um, as well. You know, if you damage your product or uh, maybe a product peaked, uh, you have a shoe that was worth $500, but now the hype is gone and, you know, it's gone back down. These are business losses, uh, at least in my mind. And, uh, some business professionals will tell you. Um, but more formally, a business loss occurs when your business has more expenses than earnings doing, during an accounting period. Uh, the loss means that you spent more than the amount of revenue you made. But a business loss isn't all bad. You can use the net operating loss to claim tax refunds for past or future tax years. So this is a way to kind of repurpose these business losses. Um, for instance, uh, if you were starting a business uh, for hair care products, but the business failed and you have a, a cache of leftover ingredients, you can actually take those and use it towards something else. And 
even though you did take a business loss, you can repurpose that to try to uh, get some of the money back. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess this is about as unprofessional as it gets, but it's true. You know, scared money doesn't make money. So if you're scared to take a loss, that means you're scared to take a gain. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm not going to bet my condo um, on the shoe market and cash out. You know, I'm not going to gamble my life away like that. Um, But at the same time, you want to put yourself into a position where you can invest, you can take a loss, and hopefully through that you can organically build something um, that can uh, bring back one of those seven income streams aside from the income that you earn from working a job. Um, So that's all I have today. A quick little uh, light watering, as I like to say. Um, Connect with us on Instagram at Seeds Before Flowers. Um, We're on almost every streaming platform now aside from uh, Apple, but you know, it's not as easy as some think, but uh, yeah, I'm on everything. Um, and I just wanted to end this with this last quote from the great Nip Hustle. Uh, he said, even as you make progress, you need the discipline to keep from backtracking and sabotaging the success as it's happening. So uh, try to keep that in your mind uh, this week as you, know, you work towards uh, any of the goals that you have on that checklist. So. All right, uh, with that said, Seeds Before Flowers, episode five, I'm out of here.